Welcome to Nurture Small Business, creating a thriving space with your host, Denise Kagan. Denise is the president of DCA Virtual Business Support and has been a business owner for almost 20 years. DCA Virtual Business Support provides small businesses with an expert pairing of virtual administrative and marketing assistance to match your needs. Learn more at dcavirtual.com. Hello and welcome. I'd like to welcome Darcy Cook, Director of Emergency Management with Safety Trainers to our program today. The events of 9-11 forever changed safety trainers from an emergency management and training company into an occupational health and safety company for general industry and construction. And now with COVID-19 on the scene, more changes are coming down the pike. Safety Trainers currently services over 12 different industries throughout New England, and over 60% of their clients have been clients for well over a decade. Welcome, Darcy. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks, Denise. Thanks for inviting us and having us here. No problem. So this is a hot topic right now, um, safety and how do, how do we get back to work safely and keep our employees and our clients safe? You work with a lot of businesses in a lot of different industries. What types of questions are you getting from your clients? <laughs> so the questions keep flowing in. I haven't slept very much. <laughs> uh, I think the first question that's on everyone's mind is, what exactly do I need to do, right? We're watching a lot of webinars or reading a lot of stuff, and there's a lot of navigating going around. It's still kind of confusing for some people. They want a to-do list. They want a punch list. So I think the, the biggest number one question is, Darcy, just spell out exactly what I need to do. The other concern or confusion, I think, for a lot of companies who never had to work or deal with PPE, personal protective pieces of equipment, is the respirator, the N95 mask that looks like a regular mask, and the confusion around face coverings and masks versus N95 respirators. And so we've done a lot to educate people and share with them you know, what's appropriate for their business and why. Uh, another topic is, do I have to clean my bathrooms? How often do I have to clean my bathrooms? Are my employees who I never hired to clean bathrooms or clean their desk, now they have to start disinfecting. That's the new word. It's not cleaning, but disinfecting. And so there's a lot of rules. There are a lot of expectations around keeping your employees safe related to cleaning, disinfecting. The other one is, of course, signage. Uh, we, you know, we're seeing as we go around our everyday life, uh, maybe at a Lowe's or Home Depot or Walmart or at the grocery store, signs everywhere, you know, six foot distancing, hand washing stations. And now everyone's like, do I have to do that at my company? Like, what are the additional signs? What are the posters? What are the educational? How to do hands-only CPR? How to wash your hands? How to put a glove on and take it off the right way? These are all new areas for so many different businesses that have never had to wear PPE. And even if your company was using PPE, it might have been your operations team or your facilities and maintenance department, not your front office, not your receptionist at the door, um, not e maybe not even you. Um, and so this is a whole new area that people are trying to navigate and understand. And last but not least, it's the, it's the guidelines, you know, the CDC guidelines interpretation. It's OSHA's new letters of interpretation, their new exemptions, their new um, guidelines that they're putting out. They're posting a lot of educational material and people are trying to sort through, you know, who do I follow and, and what do I, again, what do I have to do? Absolutely. And as far as guidelines, you know, there's tons of organizations out there that are giving guidelines and recommendations. How does a business know exactly who they should be listening to and following? 
Yeah, so I'm sure you guys have been just inundated with emails and watching webinars trying to navigate through this. You've got the CDC with the Center for Disease and Control and Prevention, right? You've got the World Health Organization, WHO. You've got OSHA. You've got FDA. You've got EPA. You've got DPH. You've got the governor. It's like a giant bowl of alphabet soup in trying to figure out who takes the priority for your industry. I will tell you that your trade associations, um, if you've never been a member of your trade association this is the time that you should be joining they're doing an excellent job in leading their industries and recommendations we're going to be talking about rules and engineering you know engineering controls and administrative controls the kind of the new way of doing business and a lot of great stuff are coming from your trade associations but the CDC even the FDA said if the CDC is telling you to do something stricter than what we are, then you need to follow the CDC. And so they've really kind of taken the lead on some of these new concepts and these new ways of doing business that we have to put into place. But at the end of the day, OSHA is all about protecting your employees. And for those companies who have been on board with OSHA, writing their policies and procedures and are familiar with it, they're gonna do better during this major transition than companies who weren't. And for a lot of companies that just didn't have a lot of high risks. And when you don't have a lot of high risks, you kind of, again, you prioritize how you operate your building, you know, your, your business. And it's about, you know, getting customers and getting clients and marketing and taking care of your people and safety. No one went to school for safety. Unless you've hired someone for safety, it's on your to-do list. Like, I didn't go to school for accounting. I don't love all the bookkeeping stuff that I have to do. I get someone to do that for me. Well, safety for a lot of people is, is something else that's added to a job. You've got an HR person who's also the safety person who's also taking care of parts of operation. It's a little overwhelming. Yeah, I can, I can see that. And, and combining all of these things together, um, you know, making sure you're not only meeting the guidelines of OSHA, but also the CDC, which you might not have been following previously. Correct, I mean, CDC for a long time, you know, not to kind of put things into buckets, but unless you were in healthcare, you probably haven't paid attention. If you were in the food industry, maybe a little bit because of food safety and serve safe kind of programming, but a, an insurance agency, a, a law firm, uh, a mechanic shop, uh, you, you know, they're not thinking about CDC guidelines. They're not thinking about infectious control and how to disinfect and, you know, you know, keep the co common cold and flu. We've all gotten comfortable with the common cold and flu. And during common cold and flu season, we don't ramp up all the things that we're doing now around COVID-19, but we're going to see a new normal. Cold and flu season is going to have a whole new meaning now in the workplace. Yeah, I know when I worked at Coca-Cola, I handled all the OSHA inspections, so I'm familiar with that. And, you know, as far as relating to health, I think we did a single universal precautions type of training, and that called it a day, pretty much. So, not You're to not ding that. <laughs> but You're I think that's Typically, it's under the blood-borne pathogens, universal mm -hmm. precautions. That, that standard applies to every company. Um, and again, you know, you might have walked through that process, but you didn't have fear, right? You weren't faced with 
because um, you are in healthcare, so you weren't faced with the risk of COVID-19 or TB, you know, airborne pathogen kinds of things. Um, I mean, the only time you probably think of that stuff is when you guys get on a plane and you're thinking about recycled air. Other than that, it doesn't really come into play on a regular basis. Absolutely. So how, so there's a lot of new rules and regulations. How exactly are these going to be enforced? Yeah, so enforcement is, you know, interesting. Let's just say that it's changing. It's evolving. I mean, for many of you now as companies and businesses considered essential or non-essential and then opening your doors when you're allowed to open your doors, it's also going to be under a new set of rules. So the Department of Public Health, right, your governors and the Department of Public Health are kind of watching what's happening in their, in their states, in their communities. So if I was a, um, someone in your community, an employee, a competitor, a passerby, a concerned citizen, um, we are all going to be calling and reporting to the Department of Public Health. And we're going to let them know that we think that you should or should. Are you essential? Are you essential? Are they wearing masks? Aren't they wearing masks? Are they following the rules the right way? Should they be open? Um, you know, a little bit of the, you know, I don't know, the, we're all going to be looking out for each other, but there's a risk associated with that because you're going to have more eyes on businesses now. Um, and so for a lot of companies, it's that we've heard the $300 fine um, associated with non-compliance or not being, you know, an essential business that's open. On the other side of things, if you've been involved with OSHA, you're familiar with OSHA. They have a book that's about this thick, is every page is a law. Um, if you don't comply and your employees try to get you to fix the problem, um, you bring it a safety or health issues to the managers and supervisors, they address it, but not enough. Maybe they ignore it and you decide you need to take it to the next level. You make a phone call to OSHA and that's what OSHA's role is, is to educate and keep a safe and healthy workplace. But then when companies and business aren't doing what they're supposed to, they also go in and enforce and then they enforce and educate. And so it's known as the whistleblower. I don't love what they call it, but an employee has the right to call OSHA at any point in time. And just to give you an example, when COVID-19 happened, some of my early articles that I was reading in Arizona, one week OSHA got 2,900 phone calls from employees about unsafe, healthy working conditions. And that is where OSHA had to make changes. They can't go out and investigate and look at all of those. It's just not feasible. So, um, they're focusing on the healthcare industry. So if employees call related to the healthcare world, that's what they can handle and manage right now. For all the other businesses, us, um, we're probably gonna get a letter and we're gonna have to answer to them in writing. Um, you might get an inspection from OSHA. Well, I can't say that you wouldn't. Uh, what would happen is that you'd have to have more than one employee who's tested positive but not just tested positive through your investigation, you know, incident investigation, through your questioning that you're doing under your new sick policies that you've got to put in play, you'd have to identify that you've had more than one employee from your bill, you know, from your company, and then that becomes an OSHA recordable. So um, if you're not familiar with OSHA recordables, that's a conversation for another day. But if you've got two or more employees and you now identify it as happening in your workplace, because I have kids, I have family, I go to the grocery store. How do you know that Darcy didn't get it outside of work? Well, if the same people on the same shift as me or the same department as me start also testing positive, then it's a probably a good indication 
that it might have started there. And you guys have got to do your homework and, you know, have the right documentation in place in the event that an investigation gets carried out um, into more details. But yes. I've seen some of that on the news, uh, meatpacking plants, for instance, where, you know, numerous people are in a small town, so they have got a crazy percentage for their per capita. However, it's largely just focused around those meat processing plants where they have tight working quarters. Agreed. Um, so here in Massachusetts, that's where I sit. Um, right now, Walmart's taking a pretty aggressive, um, you know, direct communication about having to shut down all of their facilities because they've got, you know, 10, not 10, but 50, 60, 70, 80 cases in, in their building. And then that would be good, you know, an indication. Clearly, they're going to have to make changes to the way they were doing things. And none of you want to open your business and in the course of opening your business, let's call it phase one for your business. Cause I, the way I'm talking to my clients is we're kind of calling it phase one. We're a little tighter or a little stricter. Um, we might be a little bit more rigid than actually what was, is expected of us, but none of you want to go through all this, get your doors open and then have a massive breakout that requires you to shut down and send everyone home again, hire professionals to come in and clean and have to start this whole process over again. So, um, we're advising you, right, to put all this stuff in place, err on the side of caution, and kind of work from there as you scale up your businesses. And back to as far as like OSHA complaints and things, for protection for the employer, how do they document, you know, if they're getting complaints, what's the best thing for them to do? So should they get a letter from OSHA or an inspection that they have things in place to uh, you know, hopefully show that they're addressing the problem. Yeah, business right now is stressful enough that you, you get a letter from OSHA and you're not prepared. Um, it would just add in a whole nother layer of stress for you. Um, same thing if the Department of Public Health comes in to check on you. Um, right now, you need to be documenting. Um, this what's that saying you know if, if you didn't document it didn't happen kind of deal um yeah. you can you can be a little bit over on the on the documenting part i think you should err on the side of writing more things down than not policies and procedures you guys are making a lot of new rules new changes to your business your business posting things like i said sinus disinfecting you got to have at least one page sheets of paper talking about all of these changes that you are making but then you also have to have the piece of paper that says that you've trained your employees and every all these decisions that you've made so you've got to have training records you've got to have policy and procedures related to COVID-19 changes again if you've done the OSHA stuff you're going to make addendums and add paragraphs but if you've never done this stuff before um, it doesn't have to be this thick it just needs to say what it is that you're doing and then train your employees and what you want them to do. Don't complicate it with really pretty paragraphs today, right? Let's just get it clear to across the board to everyone else. The other thing about documentation is the medical side of things. So new area for all of you related to the HR component of having to create new updates to your sick policy, you know, taking temperatures of people before they come into the building, um, asking me to self-monitor at home, you know, finding out and asking other people who've been associated with me about, you know, the idea of contact tracing, notifying people that you might have come in contact without using my name if I've been positive or, and then asking people to stay home in quarantine. I mean, this is all new stuff for all of us. 
the conversations that you're having with me, the employee, about coming back or not coming back, and what um, if I get went to the doctors or not? Because remember, my doctor might not send me for a positive test. You know, we might be making some assumptions about my health and determining how long I'm going to stay out or before I can come back, and so on and so forth. So, documentation right now is your friend, and I would encourage you to kind of separate out your employee files, training files from you know, employee personnel versus medical um, and kind of break all that stuff up for yourself in terms of keeping organized during this transition period because we don't really know what it's going to look like exactly on the other side um, when it comes to rewriting regulations and rewriting rules. You know, are we going to be able to continue to take temperatures of our employees? I don't know. I mean, we'll soon find out. But right now, it's a guideline by CDC that we're all adopting and it's okay to do that. It's a way to keep us all safe. Yeah, it sounds uh, complicated, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's like HIPAA got married to CDC, had a baby called OSHA, MSDS. I mean, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a lot. Um, it's a lot for small businesses to consider. It's um, quick. It's moving quick. It's changing all the time. Yeah. It, what else do small businesses need to consider? Well, businesses in general just need to consider to get back up working. Um, once they start bringing employees back. Okay, so let's just start with the simple basics. I'm gonna kind of bullet point a couple ideas out for you, but here's the first thing. You all need to be wearing masks, right? That's the CDC recommendation. A lot of governors have adopted in, uh, in buildings, outside of buildings. You know, your PPE plan is going to matter and you're gonna to need to put that in place. Now also getting access to these supplies is going to be a bit of a challenge for some of you. And so there are, um, other options. So you're going to have to explore all of your options related to long-term access to some of these supplies. Uh, hand washing. You've got to make sure you have adequate hand washing. You've got to tell your, literally tell your employees now when you expect them to hand wash, how often you expect them to hand wash. You've got to make um, soap and water available to them. When that's not available, the antibacterial. Remember, antibacterial is always designed for that interim between the hand washing. So you've got to put all that in play. And then, of course, the social distancing. Um, I don't see that going away as a guideline anytime soon. You can guarantee probably to the end of this year, at the very least, um, that we are going to be looking at the six feet. So you as a company are going to have to figure out how are you going to operate maintaining six feet as you try to move raw materials in, manufacture stuff and get it out, um, run a restaurant. I, I, there's so many different things that you guys have to start thinking about now in relationship to this six foot distancing model. Who's going to oversee it all? Like I'm on the phone with you today and I'm telling you hours and hours and hours of my day are spent reading and reading and reading and sorting and organizing and figure out what the hierarchy is underneath these rules and regulations and guidelines and who they're coming from. Someone in your company is going to have to be that point person. They have to be your COVID-19 coordinator who's keeping up with this stuff so that you can make accurate adjustments to your business model as new information is released and communication. Some of you have all your employees at work, but most of us are not working under that. We're working remotely, we're alternating our shifts, so we're not all in the building at the same time. Um, how are you gonna communicate and keep your employees up to speed on all these changes as well? Signage, that's another area that you guys are gonna have to get really comfortable with. Um, you're pretty aesthetic, um, experience style. I work with some very high-end restaurants and the idea of plastering 
signs all over their you know beautiful decor um is you know bringing a little bit of like anxiety to them but i mean at this stage of the game you know signage is directional signage is informative signage sets clear expectations about um, what your employees, your visitors, your guests, your patron, patrons need to be doing in order to engage with you. Again, you have to follow rules and sadly we have to now push those rules down to all the people who want to associate with our business. And then cleaning. You guys are going to have to put a disinfecting plan together. You're going to have to find EPA approved chemicals. You're going to have to do safety data sheets. You're going to have to train your employees. You got to give them the right PPE to do the right cleaning. There's a lot of direction that's going to go around disinfecting. I use the word cleaning, but I really want you guys to shift that word to disinfecting. Cleaning is picking up paper up the floor. Cleaning is sweeping the dirt. Disinfecting is killing what we're calling that invisible virus. It's COVID-19, it's cold and flu season. It's all the stuff you can't see um, is really what disinfecting is about. And then last but not least, there's a laundry list of changes that you're gonna need to make, rules that you're gonna need to put in place in your business. And you're gonna really need to spell those out and bullet point those out and then share them with your employees, train them in them, and then document that you've been doing that and stay ahead of the game. So I know um, today we're almost out of time, but we are gonna be uh, having three more webinars with you. And we are going to cover questions about masks and PPE. We're also gonna focus on signage and documentation. And then we're gonna talk more about disinfecting and um, some chemical storage, because if you buy it in bulk, I think that changes things. It does, not a exactly, the flammable cabinet. What do you mean I gotta buy a flammable cabinet, Darcy? Well, it all depends on how much isopropyl alcohol and hand sanitizer you're hoarding in your <laughs> building. So we'll talk about that in the upcoming series. Absolutely, so we're, we're looking forward to that. And I wanna um, also just kind of put it out there that they can reach out to you if they do not have a on-site COVID-19 coordinator and are you able to help out with that or refer to them yeah if you guys are struggling and you really kind of want to just talk just about your business because you know two mcdonald's are not the same you know two gas stations are not the same two we're not the same even though we might be doing similar business right um i heard someone say we're all in the same storm but we're not all in the same boat so if you want to talk about what your boat looks like in more detail and get some specific questions answered, please feel free to reach out to us. So you can always reach me at Darcy, D-A-R-C-Y, Darcy at safetytrainers.com. You can call the office. We're all working a little remotely. I might be me the answer. It might be someone else, but it's 508-799-2857. But more importantly is always go to our website because um, you'll be able to get access and information there at safetytrainers.com. Perfect. So Darcy, thank you so much for your time today. And I look forward to the rest of the session so we can all get our businesses up and running safely. And I know- Thank I you, everyone. Thank you, Denise. You thank safe. you, everyone, for your time. Be so safe, tell you be to well. Stay safe, but that's what you do. Yes. Yeah, be safe. Safety is what we do. Exactly. It's all right. I can use it too every once in a while. There, absolutely. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for today's Nurture Small Business, Creating a Thriving Space podcast. Learn more about your host at dcavirtual.com or by emailing her directly at denise at dcavirtual.com.